Well, if you brought your Bibles this morning, just turn to the book of John, John chapter 3, and we'll look at passage there in just a few minutes. Appreciate Terry singing about heaven. Appreciate uh, the song to begin with uh, in regards to uh, Jesus, only Jesus. We're going to focus on Jesus this morning. I want to share with you a sermon I've entitled, uh, The Great Discovery. The Great Discovery. I want to share with you this morning about the greatest truth that you'll ever discover in the Bible. Out of all the books in the Bible, what would you think would be the greatest truth that you could discover in the Bible? Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, I know what it is. I know what that is, Brother Sammy. The greatest truth in the Bible is that there is a heaven. There's a heaven. That's a great truth. Jesus said in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, heaven, where I am, there you will be also. And Brother Sammy, John describes that place in Revelation chapter 21. He says that there's no sin in heaven, there's no crying there, there's no more pain there, there's no more death in heaven. Brother Sammy, John says that the walls in heaven are like jasper. He says the city is like unto gold. It says the twelve gates of the cities, uh, the city was made out of twelve pearls, each gate being one pearl. Brother Sammy, I know that the greatest truth in the Bible is that there is a heaven. Well, no. Listen, I feel like the greatest truth that will ever be discovered is found in the book of John, chapter 3, Verse 16, you know that verse. Look at it if you will. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's no other statement in the Bible that sums up God's redemptive plan in Christ, for the human race, than John 3.16. No one will ever know until we get to heaven how many millions and millions of people have found their way to heaven by discovering John 3.16. Now I want you to notice the text this morning, and this text has ten words. Ten words. God so loved the world that He gave His Son, His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Those ten words describe what Jesus Christ is all about. Friend, listen. The world needs a clear message about eternal life 
and about salvation. The world needs a clear message today about eternal life and salvation more than ever before. There are a lot of messages about eternal life and about salvation. But the world needs a clear message. One message that you'll hear is a message about universalism. Everyone that universalism believes that everyone will be saved in the end. Everybody's going to be going to heaven. Everybody's going to have eternal life when it's all over with. That's a message being proclaimed today. The Jehovah's Witness, they proclaim a message. They proclaim that 144,000 are going to be saved. The only ones that are going to be experience true salvation is 144,000. They also proclaim that there is no hell. The world needs a clear message in regards to salvation, in regards to eternal life. The Mormons declare that we're all little gods. And that we're going to have our own planet one day. They also declare that there is a threefold heaven. That there is a telestial heaven. That there is a terrestrial heaven. And there is a celestial heaven. They proclaim a threefold heaven. And then there are those who preach a work salvation. That you just do your list. And if you feel, you know, they, they feel that that the length of your to-do list determines your destiny. If you continue to do this and 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 keep up with this and keep up with that and keep doing good, the length of your to-do list eventually will bring you salvation. But they forget Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, It's a gift of God, not of works, least any man should boast. But however, when we think about a clear message about eternal life and about salvation, the clear message of salvation is found in John 3.16. What I want you to do, Joel, if you can throw that back on the screen, I want you to repeat this verse with me. And as you do, let it be your verse and think, And allow God to speak to you as we say it together. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse, the clear message. You say, well, Brother Sammy, what is the message? Let's look at it. First of all, for God so loved the world. For God so loved agape, that self-sacrificing love. For God so loved the world, not the cosmos, not the trees and the birds and the flowers, but God so loved the world. He loved the people. His prime uh, creation. His primary creation. God loved people. The Bible says, in His image... In in the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. And then it says, And God breathed into man's nostrils, and man became a living soul. And God loves his prized creation. He loves his prized creation more than anything that he ever created in the cosmos. 
He loves all of mankind. You see, God is not prejudiced toward any race. Uh, His love has no distinction. Uh, Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in His sight. Why? For God so loved the world. He loved the world. There's no distinction between rich and poor, up and down, or the prostitute, or the drug addict, or or the homosexual, or the educated, or the uneducated. All lives, regardless what life it is, all lives matter to God. For God so loved the world. And so He loves the singles. He loves those that are married. He loves those that are not married. He loves those that are divorced. He loves all people. There's no distinction whatsoever in His love. Regardless of the situation that you find yourself in this morning, just remember this, that God loves you. Now, He might consider your lifestyle reprehensible. He might even consider it an abomination. But He will never, never stop loving you. For God so loved the world. So the clear message, first of all, John 3.16, is that God loved the world. But notice, not only that, but He gave His only begotten Son. Now the words only begotten simply means the only one of His kind. There's no other person like Jesus. He's the only begotten Son of God. You see, salvation is a gift. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So salvation is a gift. Ephesians 2.8, I've quoted, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not uh, that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So salvation is a gift. And if you had all the money in the world, if you were the most wealthiest person in the world, you could not buy your salvation. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift from God. Now, during the New Testament times, the Judaizers were preaching and teaching that uh, they had a perverted gospel. Their gospel was that you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, and then you keep the law, you do the ritual things, and then in the end you'll be saved. So you accept Christ as the Messiah, you keep the law, do all those ritual things, and then in the end you'll be saved. Some have perverted the true gospel today, and they're perverting the true gospel today. They're the Judaizers, you might say, of today. They say if you accept Christ, then you do the ritual things. You go to church, you live a good life, you be baptized, you take the Lord's Supper, you, um, you're good to your neighbor, you, you're a real moral person. Those things are good, they have their place. But friend, they don't save you. They're the ritual things. Salvation is a gift from God. It's given to us from God. But the clear message of John 3.16 is, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, the only one of His kind, the only one of His kind. Salvation is a gift given to us by the only begotten Son of God. You say, well, He's the only begotten, Brother Samuel. What does that mean? Well, 
it, uh, it means that he's, he's very special. He's special in his deity. He's the only begotten son of God. Uh, his, his deity is known by his authority. Recognized by his authority. Jesus said this, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. In Matthew 28, verse 18. His authority demonstrates his deity. All the winds obey his voice. The demons bow down before him when he speaks. His authority demonstrates his deity. His lordship demonstrates his deity. Jot down Philippians 2 verse 9. Listen to what God's Word says. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, kuros, the one who has all power and authority and control. His Lordship demonstrates his deity. He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the Bible declares that one day, every lost person who has rejected his lordship here on earth now, when they die, before they're cast out into an eternal damnation, will bow their knee and confess the lordship of Jesus Christ then, to the glory of the Father. His lordship, is demonstrated, or his, his deity is demonstrated by his authority. His deity is demonstrated by his lordship. His deity is recognized by his resurrection. He arose from the dead just as he said he would. Not long ago, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. I preached the sermon as he said. The angel said to the Marys, He's not here. He's risen from the dead, as he said. And so his resurrection declares his deity. He's more than just a teacher. He's more than a philosopher. He's the resurrected Son of God. He is the only begotten Son of God. There's none like him. His deity is demonstrated in his authority, in his lordship, and then his resurrection. For God so loved the world, the clear message that he gave, the gift, the only begotten Son of God, that whosoever, whosoever. Now, I praise the Lord that whosoever is in that verse. As Southern Baptists today, as Baptists, we believe in salvation by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus. We believe it's a gospel for whosoever will believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We don't believe in a limited atonement where salvation is just for a few and not for everyone. Those that believe in limited atonement have a real big problem with John 3.16 when it talks about whosoever. We have a whosoever gospel. Don't think for a moment that the gospel's not for you. The gospel's for the world. Christ came to die on the cross for the world, not just for a few. It's whosoever. So I praise the Lord for that. 
and, and just let it sink in just for a moment that God's love and His grace and His forgiveness and His mercy is something that you can experience yourself. You're not left out unless you choose to deny Christ and His Lordship. You are important to God. The gospel is for you. For God so loved the world that He gave the gift, His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth, clear message, believeth in Him, not just about Him, but in Him. There's a difference in believing about Him and believing in Him. James 2 verse 19 says this, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. If anyone believes that there is a Christ, there's a Messiah, and Jesus is His name, well, uh, the devils do. So what does it mean to believe about Jesus? Well, you believe about Jesus, I'm sure. I mean, you believe that He was born. No doubt people believe that, who are not Christians, they, they know that He was born. This is, uh, this is 2015 you know, A.D., they're trying to change, you know, they're trying to do away with the, the, the dating of A.D. and B.C., but uh, Jesus was born. That's a historical fact. Historical fact. You may believe about Jesus being born, and you may believe about the virgin birth, and you may believe about Him being born in Bethlehem, and you may believe about his early childhood, and you may be, believe about how he lived and on earth, and how he had 12 disciples, and how they followed him, and he healed the sick, and he fed the hungry, and he raised the dead. You might believe about Jesus. You might believe that he died and he was crucified. You really believe that. And you might even believe that one day he's coming again. You might believe a lot about Jesus. But here's the question. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Years ago, I heard an illustration about a man who dreamed that he fell off a cliff, and on his way down, he grabbed a vine, and he was holding on for dear life, and he could feel his hand slipping away from this vine, and, and he felt that he would just roll down this cliff to, the, to his death below, and he felt his, hand, he felt his hand loosening on that vine, and all of a sudden there was an angel appeared to him. And this angel, the man cried out to the angel, Save me, just save me. And the angel said, Would you believe I can? And, and do you believe I will? And the man says, I believe you can. And the angel says, well, I will if you trust me. Turn loose of the vine and I'll save you. You see, to believe in Jesus is to turn loose of every little feeble vine that you're holding on to to save yourself and trust Him and only Him for your salvation. You may be holding on a little feeble vine that says, you know, if I live right and if I do good and if I do this and do this, I'm going to be saved. Or I'm just going to take my chances. I've had people tell me that. I'm going to tell you what, your, your soul is nothing to gamble with. When you leave this old earth, you better know for certain you know Jesus because if you don't, the Bible says that you're not going to heaven. You're going to that place called hell. You can't gamble with your soul and win. 
not trusting Jesus. Listen, friend, what are you holding on to that you need to turn loose of and trust Jesus Christ and Him only for your salvation? Whosoever believeth in Him, notice, shall not perish. It doesn't mean annihilation. Revelation chapter 21, listen to these words that kind of describe what perish means. Verse 8 says this, Revelation 21 verse 8, But the fearful and the unbelieving, that's where we are, the fearful, the unbelieving, the, the amundable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It's a continuation of suffering and, and, and the dying of the soul that never dies. Shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Here's your clear message. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Look, if you will, at John 4, verse 14. You're at John 3, look at verse, chapter 4, verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Look, if you will, at verse 36, John 4. And he that reap reapeth, receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Look at chapter 5. Come on through John. Look at chapter 5, verse uh, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Look at chapter 6. Come through to you find verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. Go on over a few chapters to John chapter 12. Look at verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Chapter 17, verse 3. Chapter 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal. Here it is. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have what? everlasting, non-ending, forever and forever, no losing your salvation, eternal life. Now, what's the greatest truth that you'll ever discover in the Bible? There's a heaven, that's true. There's a hell, that's true. There, th th those are truths and there are many other truths. However, the greatest truth that you'll ever discover is for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever, whosoever, believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the question is today, 
have you believed about Jesus or have you just believed in Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus for your salvation? And you know without, uh, for certain that if you die today that you're going to have a home in heaven. Have you believed about Jesus or in Jesus? Are you holding on to some religious vine that you think is going to save you, but in the end it will not keep you from perishing? Are you willing to trust Jesus and Him only? Jesus, Jesus only. Are you willing to trust Him and Him only for your salvation? Are you willing to let go? Bow your heads just a moment for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had just to think about a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. We've memorized this verse when we were children, for the most of us. But yet today you've shown us the truth of it. Perhaps we've listened for the first time as the Holy Spirit has taken this verse and brought it to our heart and brought it to our mind. I pray for every person here today. I pray that your Holy Spirit has taught us the truth of this verse. And Father, that this one verse sums up your redemptive plan for mankind. And that if people today, even today, would respond to your love and place their faith and trust in Jesus, that you would forgive them of their sins. Your mercy would be shown upon them. Your forgiveness would be given to them. Their sins will be forgiven. And they would be remembered no more. And so, Father, we pray today that those who have trusted in some feeble vine of religion would honestly come to you today and put, put their faith and trust in Jesus and trust Him only for their salvation. Thank you for what you're going to do today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.